You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges is a house church movement meeting in homes all across Music City. To find a house church near you or to find other ways to support or get involved, go to bridgesnashville.com. According to Frontify, a recent consumer report revealed that the number one thing that consumers look for in a brand they support isn't innovation or even low price point. It's authenticity. And the studies show that in 2020, uh, brand authenticity and trust in the companies that we buy from almost weekly was at an all-time low. And that story is playing out across all lines of culture right now. Authenticity is everything. We're just not seeing it. Now, authenticity is simply defined as anything that's real, genuine, and true. And it's something that Paul was trying to express to Timothy, the pastor of Ephesus Church, in his letter. You know, we have to be a church that is on fire with the gospel authentically. We need leaders who are truly in love with Jesus. We need the body of Christ to live as true worshipers that know the truth, follow the truth. I believe the only way to change the world and make a difference today is to live lives authentically following Jesus and fighting the good fight. Now, I'm a big fan of reality TV. It's something I'm praying through, and for my wife Sarah's sake, I would ask for your prayers too. But we love reality TV, let's be honest. And one of our favorite shows involves a pawn shop that's run by a family of crazy characters. You know what I'm talking about. And in this show, people will often bring in valuable items, well, items that they think to be valuable. Some are antique, some are even autographed. When that happens, the owners of the shop will call up an authenticator to come and put that item under the microscope, study those signatures, and check to see if it's true and authentic, and then assess a value. In one episode, this lady brought in an antique guitar that was valuable on its own, but it had four particular signatures that would have significantly raised the value, if they were real. John, Paul, George, and Ringo, yeah. The sad thing was that after studying those signatures, the, authentic, the authenticator found out that they were fake, which didn't mean it was worth $100,000 like they thought, and it actually devalued the original valuable antique guitar. So the, authentic, the authenticator uh, can tell the difference between what's true and what's fake. And in Luke 8, we see the great authenticator. Here's what Jesus said. For all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open, and everything that is concealed will be brought into the light and made known to all. So let's hang on to Jesus' words in Luke chapter 8 as a backdrop as we go back to 1 Timothy chapter 5 and look at the back half of this chapter. Now in 1 Timothy 5, Paul continues to lay out what leadership in the church should look like, and then he leans into some specific instructions that sort of seem a little random at first, but it all connects. You know, we've got to understand that today when we read the Bible, although it's chopped up into chapters and verses, the Bible was originally written, at least books of the Bible, as continuous letters. So Paul's words here in chapter 5 were just flowing out of the foundation that he had laid in the earlier chapters. You know, Paul, earlier in this letter, called the church God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. And that statement, along with the church's profession of the gospel in 1 Timothy 3.16, is unpacked 
in the rest of his letter, whether it's identifying church training for godliness or showing honor and respect to fellow believers or even caring for widows, as we learned and talked about last week. The underlying theme is the same. The gospel should be on full display in the church. You know, the way that the world operates in society and business, let's be honest, it doesn't always reflect the kingdom, does it? It's usually a dog-eat-dog world. There's gossip, suspicion, favoritism, always looking out for number one. And it all makes for a pretty cutthroat environment. And while that may be common in the world, it shouldn't be the normal in the church. The house of God ought to look different. In stark contrast to, say, a secular business model, uh, the model of the church, yeah, elders should have a genuine concern for the body of Christ, and the body ought to have a special love and trust for the leadership and elders. This dynamic is crucial because God's heart is for unbelievers to see the church and discover the glory of God expressed as the gospel of God impacts the people of God. Pretty powerful. So we're going to pick up where we left off last week, 1 Timothy 5, verse 17. It says, Elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well, especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, You must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. And in another place, those who work deserve their pay. Now here, uh, Paul writes to take care of those in church leadership who put in their time, effort, and energy into the Word of God, preaching and teaching so that the church can grow in their faith and in their discipleship and understanding the Word of God. Now obviously, as a pastor, uh, this verse hits close to home. I was raised a PK, and now I'm a preacher, and I'm grateful to be able to do ministry as a vocation, and I'm grateful to our board of directors, all of our supporters, and through your generosity, hey, we're able to have a staff team here at Bridges Nashville that labors for the gospel. And like Paul, we all do ministry bivocationally. You know, Paul traveled and preached in addition to being a tent maker. Well, music is my other part-time gig, and I'm grateful to do what I love. You know, churches that follow the saying, Lord, you keep them humble, we'll keep them poor. Uh, they've missed Paul's purpose and intention here. And even worse, uh, this kind of sentiment is actually antithetical to the church's gospel witness. Now, trust me, I know that there are some who take advantage of the church and use the gospel uh, to their own means of getting wealthy. And I'm so sorry. And I apologize on behalf of all of those circumstances if you've ever been in a situation where you were taken advantage of or if you were involved in a church where that happened. You know, those stories put a stain on other pastors and ministries who truly have a heart for God's people. Today, too often, we read headlines about moral failures and we hear podcasts dismantling unhealthy churches and listen, to me, all of that just shows the need more than ever for transparency and authenticity today. But let me also say this, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I've talked to a lot of Christians who have become so jaded and cynical of the church that they just completely stop going or they avoid the church. That's not the way to live. 
That's not what Jesus is asking of us. It's hard to operate in joy and be a critic and a cynic all the time. Now, Paul's very cautious with his words here. In fact, in the very next couple of verses, he addresses this need for transparency and accountability. Verse 19, do not listen to an accusation against an elder unless it is confirmed by two or three witnesses. Those who sin should be reprimanded in front of the whole church. This will serve as a strong warning to others. Wow. Okay, then in verses 21 through 23, there are a few huge points here in these specific instructions. Uh, don't show favoritism. Keep yourself pure. And then Paul actually tells Timothy, stop drinking only water. Have a little bit of wine to help with your frequent illnesses and stomach aches. Now, at this time, you got to understand, there was a widespread medicinal use for wine because, no surprise, water wasn't as pure and clean to drink as it is today, right? Now, scholars have also said that in this instruction, Paul could have actually continued to be calling out those false teachers who were yet again preaching to avoid anything that can be overindulged with. Well, wine, obviously, is one of those things. Temperance, uh, moderation. Yeah, another message for another time. But it's worth noting a few things today. You know, Paul clearly says that drunkenness is a sin to be avoided. It's not allowed for church leadership. But he doesn't say to have a drink is a sin. You know, in his letter to the Corinthians, Paul writes, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. And to the Philippians, he writes, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. These two verses are huge guidelines for how we need to live out every day in the gospel on mission. You know, we don't need to leave, live under the yoke of slavery to the law. Why? Because Christ came to fulfill the law. Grace is not attained by works, but only by Christ alone. Jesus said in Matthew 15 that it's not what goes into a person's mouth that defiles them, but what comes out. So take Jesus' words for what they are. Yet with everything that we ask, is this okay to do? Maybe a better question might be, is this beneficial to do? I have a lot of conversations where you know, people ask me, hey, as a pastor, is it okay to do this or to do that if something's controversial? Now, you've got to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Ask the Lord and go to Scripture yourself and hold your question up to His light. The Holy Spirit is our guide for moments and questions such as this. Okay, then we get to the last uh, two verses of chapter 5. Remember the sins of some people are obvious, leading them to certain judgment. But there are others whose sins will not be revealed until later. In the same way, the good deeds of some people are obvious. And the good deeds done in secret will someday come to light. Now, this is all about authenticity, isn't it? Paul is saying that sin can be obvious or hidden but it will come out into the open eventually. And likewise, good deeds will always find a way to be known. And here we circle back to where we started today, when Jesus said in Luke 8, 17, for all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open and everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. Here's what I'm saying. 
You can't live a double life. Who you are when no one is around will always come out when people are watching. Authenticity is everything. You know, with a letter like 1 Timothy, we have so many incredible lessons and instructions that we can take from Scripture and apply to our lives today. But I promise you, the Bible will just be another great book until you take it to heart. That's how the Word is living and active and cuts all the way through to where soul and spirit meet, according to Hebrews chapter 4. Do you know the definition of the word transparent? It's allowing light to pass through so that objects behind can be directly seen. What happens when you hold your life up to the light? Let me ask a couple questions. Is there anything holding you back from living that life to the full that is the gospel? In our lives, I believe we have bridges to the presence of God and we have barriers. Barriers like sin keep us from experiencing God's best. So let the Holy Spirit illuminate or light up those things and get rid of them. Repent and turn around. Now, bridges to God's presence, uh, prayer, uh, spending time in His Word, serving, giving, and living out the gospel. Hey, keep pressing into those things. Prayer and worship are two keys to living in His presence. And as I said at the beginning, uh, Sunday night, 6 p.m., we're meeting at the Listening Room Cafe to do just that. I hope you'll join us. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To stay up to date on everything going on at Bridges, you can find us online at facebook.com slash Bridges Nashville or at Bridges Nashville on Instagram.